Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 78. This interview, recorded on October 14, 2013, is with Emma Page, based out of Zurich. Emma is, as she says, head of sales and customer success at Evernote for EMEA. Evernote is everyone's favorite electronic memory, I like to say. In this interview, we talk about the personal-professional crossover, the freemium model, and what makes people convert, Evernote's marketing strategy, as well as the burning topic of security. Hope you'll enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. So, Emma Page, piped directly in from Zurich. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. So, um, tell us, uh, Samantha, uh, sorry, Samantha, Emma, <laughs> what are you up to and what do you do? So, um, I'm he- head of sales and customer success for Evernote Business here in Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So basically, my charter is to ensure that everybody who uses Evernote for work gets to understand how to make the best use of Evernote. And then also from a team perspective, if collaboration is a topic, we help customers understand how our business version of Evernote um, can then you know, be brought into their corporation and then be implemented in the most successful way. So do you find that uh, what percentage of your time is spent on consulting and helping them figure it out as opposed to selling? Um, probably about 98% of our time is education. So, um, the, the really nice thing about, uh, Evernote and I've been in sales for about 15 years is that I don't really have to hard sell. Right. Uh, the great thing is that we have a huge user base. So we have like 70 million, um, users worldwide that love the product and have, you know, very different ways of using it. So they then want to understand, you know, how can I be more productive? How can I make my team more productive? How can I, you know, implement this into a workflow? And this is the great thing. You know, you can just sit back, listen to what they're trying to achieve and then consult based on, you know, your own experience because we use it day in, day out. But we also talk to so many other customers across Europe that we can then help them understand, you know, how somebody else in the, in a similar situation, be it size, be it industry, um, has made use of the product. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of us are doing this sort of helping and training. And, um, so 70 million users. Uh, 75, can you, yeah. 75. Can you help break this, break down premium, free, give us, give us some stats around understand where we're at? Yeah, so out of these 75 millions, we have probably like a quarter that comes out of Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So we have a a large proportion of those users here. Um, Of course, being a, a freemium model, the majority of our users are still free. What we do see is that over time and that like 18 to 24 months, if somebody uses Evernote, they are very likely, like 20 to 30% uh, of those users then convert to premium. And very interestingly enough, you know, all of the business users that have signed up to, to date, which is, I think, roughly 8,000 or something worldwide, come out of those existing users. So we see that many of the premium users now convert into business, but also free users, interesting enough, that now see, you know, the value of the collaboration and the additional um, money they pay then convert to to business. So we haven't even started tapping um, on the potential of people who don't even know of Evernote. 
what are the things that are the most attractive or, or the ones that really get that conversion to happen? It's very difficult to say. Um, of course, the ones that have been using Evernote for a very long time have a specific use case. So those are the easy ones where you don't really have to educate. They kind of just get it and then just want to understand how it's diff how business is different to premium. Um, but we do have, you know, a lot of free users that say, hey, I've been using this for this specific topic, like meeting minutes, for instance. But now I would like to understand how business could actually help me in a team setting be more productive and also share knowledge. I mean, that's one of the big, I think, advantages that Evernote Business can, can bring to the table is, is have this central hub where you can just save any type of information and then through search, which is super powerful, be able to retrieve, you know, one, the, the piece of knowledge that somebody puts in there, but also now with expertise search, be able to drill down to a person and say, this is an expert in marketing strategy, or this is somebody who, you know, has, has done so many legal documents and must have knowledge around legal, um, which we're seeing a huge traction in the market as well. So, I mean, when, when you're dealing with uh, business, who are the people you're speaking with that are talking, it sounds like it's sort of an HR angle. It's all. So we have, normally it's not IT. Uh, normally it's really somebody out of the business that's been using the product for, for you know, a duration of time, but then wants to understand how this can scale into, into their organization. At some point, we might be talking to IT, depending on how the organization uh, purchases. But because we're targeting small and mid-sized companies, normally their procurement cycle is very simple. So, you know, you might be just talking to the marketing director who then ends up buying the product uh, by themselves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing like those, you know, mega lift, uh, huge companies <laughs> and their decision taking. So, yeah. uh, just so we're starting off on a, on a smaller note, when when Evernote comes in an enterprise, what happens to the personal account base? Because if I, I I'm working for a large company, let's call it Nestle to favor mm -hmm. Switzerland. And the individual minter working for this company comes in with his personal Evernote account. How do you how does that manage? Okay, so from a user's perspective in the application interface, you kind of have a merged view. So I have a section in Evernote Business, which is my personal notes and notebooks, and I have a section which is my business notes and notebook. But from a, from a data privacy and a data ownership perspective, those two areas are kept totally separate. So everything that is associated with me as an individual, so my personal information, is kept separate to everything that I have in my business account. And the company then also has the security that whatever I contribute in the business notebooks remains with the company even if, if I leave. So I can kind of remove my account and all of the information that is mine uh, once I leave the, the company. But just for the sake of uh, user experience, we decided not to have you know two different logins so that you would have to sign out of your regular interface because we just believe that it's very difficult in these times where you know you'd be doing something business in one minute and then you'll be doing something personal in another uh, that we just want to make sure you have one simple application and interface to do that i can think of uh misery and i'm not sure if you consider them a competition but dropbox mm -hmm. where you only have one email and you can't merge others so that's mm -hmm. a a real problem. It's really interesting to see that when we speak to premium users, there's a lot of people that say, this is such a great product, I really feel I need to pay yeah. for it. There is a share of people that do that. There's, of course, others that have 
you know, are very limited with the free capacity they get. So they need more upload capacity. Um, document search, I don't know if you've, if you've tried that, uh-huh. is a huge uh, value add or a reason that pe- people go premium because you, you're then able to search within PDFs and Word documents. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of different use cases because Evernote is used in so different ways by so many different people mm-hmm. so it's really difficult for us to say this is the one reason somebody goes premium yeah. is every time i talk to a customer i find another angle or right. use case why they're using it what i'm looking at is just is that notion of of that the thing that makes people go over the barrier and put down a, a credit card so you mentioned the word privacy or the mm-hmm. notion of privacy before with all these prism nsm and, uh, <laughs> my NSA, favorite sorry, topic. yeah indeed <laughs> Uh, your cloud computing, oh my gosh. So what's your, what's your standpoint and, and, and where do we stand on, on the, the notion of security? So we have a we have a very strong opinion on security and, and data privacy here at Evernote. Um, basically, we have three laws of data protection here. So one is that the data you put into your account is yours. So we don't data mine, we don't sell your data, we don't do anything with it because it's basically, you know, we provide a service and whatever you put in there is yours. Um, we protect it. So security of your data is, is one of the key things. Um, you know, there was a security breach uh, back in March and we took very strong action on that. We decided to reset at that point. I think it was about 50 million uh, passwords. And you can imagine how long, you know, how many hours that took for us to actually, you know, reset all the passwords. And we still have people reaching out to us saying, hey, I need to reset my password. Can oh, you yeah. help me? Sure, so sure. We're, we're still working through that backlog. And then the third pillar of our data protection is that your data is portable so at any point should you decide you know Evernote is not the application or the service you want to continue using you are able to export all of the content and take it with you to whatever service you you decide to go so we really you know we understand that the service we provide can only work if we take this really seriously and we do you know we're continuously looking at how can we make this service more reliable more secure uh, and of course you know state-of-the-art security but at the end of the day it's cloud it's cloud service so i think if, if somebody in general has an issue with cloud service we're not going to go and advocate for it i mean I think there's enough going on in, in that in that sense so you you need to be comfortable with it we can just you know can only repeat that we really take it serious and do whatever we can to make it as secure as possible. Yeah, and how are you finding enterprises' opinion about cloud? Is do you feel it's getting worse, or or is it loosening? Mm, I mean, I think the whole NSA um, has not helped mm-hmm. in the whole discussion, especially the bigger the company gets, and uh, we also see like regional. Um, focuses so like Germans are very skeptical when it comes to prism whereas perhaps somebody in the UK is more likely to say okay you know I'm kind of used to the government listening into my phone calls and stuff like that um but yeah it's a discussion that we have continuously um of course they don't want to know where the data is hosted and if there's ever going to be a data center here in Europe where we're you know, very honest at this point, it's hosted in the US. Again, if somebody's not comfortable with it, then Evernote is probably not the right service. And the good thing is really that from a sales perspective, I can be very honest, you know, if somebody really isn't comfortable, then, you know, I have to advise that this is probably not the right service. And mm. we, we can highlight and showcase how we take it seriously and, and be very open about what we're doing. But at the end of the day, it's a personal decision. And if somebody's not comfortable with it, you know, we 
we understand and that, that's fine. You keep on the soft sale. But if you take the case of Russia, which mm -hmm. has got a project to uh, have the hosting be domestic, obliging people to host domestically, where would you stand on that? I mean, we, we had a similar situation in China. Uh, so last year, I think it was in May, it took us three or four months to rebuild the whole Evernote service for the Chinese market because we said that's a huge potential for us. We saw a huge demand and we took that investment. I mean, not sure if every country would come up with such a law, we would rebuild the service in every single country. I think that will probably be a different discussion. But yes, we have taken similar actions because we do understand that, you know, certain markets are very attractive and then we have to play along those, those guidelines. I'm sure Mr. Libin has an idea about Russia. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably not, not just him. <laughs> so um, just thinking about uh, Evernote, and so your, your domain is e EMEA, basically. Mm -hmm. um, what kind, what's, what's the marketing strategy of, of Evernote? So we have, I mean, we, the first thing we, we started to do is probably like six weeks ago is the first marketing campaign. So it's, it's all around education of uh, customers, you know, how to use Evernote for work. So we don't really market Evernote business as a product. We're, we're more along the lines of, hey, you know, if you use Evernote, have you considered using it for work? And we know that two thirds of our users do use it for work. So we're just, you know, showcasing different use cases, teams that have been, you know, super successful with Evernote or Evernote business and then highlighting how they've used it. Um, again, currently very focused on the existing users so be it free or premium um, we've had huge success so we, we we reached out to a large number of our free and business uh, free and premium users this these past six weeks and had a huge increase in signups for business so there is a clear um, you know need out there that if we can show how you can make better use of the product uh, and also how you can collaborate with the product as a team that that helps us from a marketing and a sales perspective. When you say reach out, what does that look like? So it's a direct emailing. Um, we send out emails. Uh, we also tried some direct marketing in form of a postcard because uh, in Europe we can't really buy email addresses and, and reach out to people, so we, we need to be creative. We're also looking into all different sorts of social media activities, be it Facebook, be it Twitter, um, Google+. Plus. We're doing a lot of Google Hangouts with customers that are telling other prospects and customers and users how they use it and why they're using it, which has shown to be really, really useful and and well appreciated by the market all right so when you talk social what what kinds of activities have you found been or at least platforms maybe have been the most effective for you um, so we're, we're going to start a, a trial with Twitter, so I can't really comment on that, how successful it is. We do believe that uh, Twitter could be a very interesting channel for us for business because it's just probably more business-related than, than Facebook is. Mm -hmm. Facebook still has shown to be very interested for us when, it's, you know, when it comes down to webinars or Google Hangouts where people are generally interested in a topic. Um, it's not a direct lead source for us. It's more really down the, the line of education. And then in a second step, once those mm -hmm. people have been addressed, uh, for us then in sales to convert them into, into sign-ups, hopefully. Yeah, so your content is, is education. Yeah, primarily. That's... All right, so um, Emma, what about a couple of uh, cool little widgets that maybe I don't know about that you would suggest uh, using, you know, either from a personal or a professional uh, level? So one thing that is really funny that people aren't aware that they can do is that you can actually 
email into your Evernote account. So every Evernote account comes with a specific email address that you can find under your uh, account preferences. So I get a ton of email and my email inbox is probably as messy as it gets. Uh, so all of the important content that I need at a later stage or I need to, you know, I know that as, at some point could be useful for me to be able to find again, I just forward into my Evernote account. Um, and by that, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my search results. It comes up when I'm working on a project as a related note. So that is super useful to me. Mm. Then, of course, Web Clipper. Mm-hmm. Um, the browser extension where you can, you know, save a copy of a website or just, you know, a snapshot of a, of a part of a website could not live without it. Yeah, it's got a real lot. Of, it's a lot of function, fun functionality. You can take yeah. snippets and really it's very flexible. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the newest version of it where you also have the ability to, to sketch. So you, if you're, oh, for instance, on ebooker and you've got 20 different flights, you can now also, you know, highlight that one flight that you would like to book. Uh I really love Web Clipper. I, I really think that's one of the best editions that we have. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Sketch. So yeah. I have a lot of PDFs, for instance, or pictures in notes that I then, you know, highlight and say this is actually, you know, which I need to review or this part we, we really need to delete or put another text in. So we've built a campaign website within Sketch because we just, you know, snipped dif- different elements and then sketched arrowed and then translated the, the content into German. And it looks chaotic, but it's it's so much more efficient than writing, you know, 20 page long emails and then still get confused on what you actually meant. Right. It's funny how you have to, to, you piece together different things to to create what we need. Exactly. And my newest favorite uh, functionality must be the post-its. It's just being able to, so we we announced a partnership with post-it. So basically now when you're running the latest version of the iOS Evernote client on your um, iOS device, you have a post-it photo um, option in there. So you can now, you know, take a note on a post-it, snap a picture. It takes a digital copy of it. So it's not just a picture. It really takes the color and everything out. Um, if you're using the specific Evernote post-its, the colors can be saved into your your account so that the yellow one goes into notebook A and the pink one goes into notebook B. It can automatically assign a reminder or a tag if you wanted to do so. And it's, it's just great. I mean, I, I love post-its, but mm. now I can actually, you know, call it up from my mobile phone and those phone numbers don't get forgotten or are you know stuck to my screen when I actually need it somewhere else. I'm going to have to plug in on that one. Just as a matter of curiosity, do you, have a, do you track or is there any way to track how many, what percentage of people on iOS, for example, have Evernote on their home page, home screen? I don't think we can actually track that, to be yeah. honest. I, 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 would, I would highly bet... Yeah, it's uh, probably it's, a lot of lot of people. <laughs> yeah, because there's different levels. You know, there's like the the home screen, and then there's down and the little bar. Yeah, the bar. All right, and um, what about a? You know, you're a uh, I think a self confessed geek. <laughs> what would you say is a fun uh, fun application or platform you're thinking would be a, a fun uh, to to teach us about, or maybe maybe a big hit in 2014? What do you think? I don't know if it's a big hit in 2014, but something I really love at the moment is my Moves app on my iPhone. So I know everybody's in the Fitbit and the Jawbone uh, competition fighting, you know, who has more steps per day. I just like to, you know, out of curiosity and also kind of like to remind myself that I should do more than just sit on my desk every day. 
Um, I have that on my on my iPhone. It's really nice because it integrates with Foursquare, so I can actually go back and say that day in Amsterdam, which you know, which restaurant did I go to? So it has that uh, value add to me as well, that it kind of keeps track of the places I've visited. Another but if it's a hit, I, I do not know. <laughs> We'll have to revisit it in 365 days. Yeah, exactly. All right, so listen, how can anyone track you down or follow you? What would be the best places to know what you're up to? So uh, I can be followed on Twitter. That's tweet underscore page. um, Or drop me an email at epage at evernote.com. Epage at evernote. All right, brilliant. I'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show. I know you've got a dinner plan, so I'm going to let you scramble. Thank you very much. We will be in touch. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes, and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at themindset.com. Or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.